Welcome back to From the Bridge. As always, I'm your host and captain, Rick Jones of Fish Bay Marketing. Today, it's all about the food. We'll discuss the emerging intersection of sport and music with food experiences. Our guest angler is Mike McLeod of the World Food Championships, who will talk about how food has become a sport with major competitions around the world. As always, we'll have another Tuesday tip and another On the Road with Rick segment. So put on your apron and let's talk food. I recently took a two-week vacation in France where it's all about the food. In fact, most of my travels include food and food experiences. We went to both Bordeaux and the Dordogne regions of France, home of fine wines, foie gras, duck confit, roast chickens, pâtés, and so much more. We've spent the last two weeks talking about and now enjoying college football. And college football, especially in the South, has always been about the food. We all know about the tailgating. My favorite tailgating spot is the famous Grove at Ole Miss, where you can see it all. Candles, chandeliers, fine china, and unbelievable food. One tailgating must at Ole Miss is a batch of the famous Mississippi tamales. Tamales are huge in Mississippi, having been brought to the region by Mexican migrant workers in the 1920s and 30s. Several years ago, the SEC and Southern Living Magazine partnered with a special SEC edition of a tailgating cookbook. Food is very important with football. College football is also about road trip restaurants. One of my favorite ESPN announcers is the former Penn State quarterback, Todd Blackledge, who wrote The Taste of the Town, a book and a weekly TV feature about where he eats when he travels to call games. But we're now seeing a real renaissance in food experiences at sporting events. Television's The Food Network has made celebrities out of numerous chefs who are taking their food expertise to major sporting events. The Taste of the Super Bowl is just one example of that. Several years ago, we created an event with Dasani and my good friends Michelle Gretsch at Coke and last week's guest angler Vince Thompson of Melt called the Coach's Cook-Off. And this was a really cool event where we matched a coach with a local celebrity chef. And we did a uh, Iron Chef competition. We had a whole bunch of ingredients on a table. And we did a blind draw that matched the coach with the chef. Then the coach had to teach the chefs to shoot free throws. And after they practiced a while, we put the stopwatch on and the chef shot free throws. And for every one they made within a 30-second period, they got to pick another ingredient. They all started off with four ingredients. The more free throws they made, the more ingredients they were able to secure from the table. After we did that competition, then the chefs could not touch the food. They became the coaches, and the coaches had to cook the food. And we had, uh, at that time, the late Rick Majerus was our judge, and he got a sample from everybody and then held his hand up and said, I'm going to need another sample from everybody in order to do that. It was a, it was a lot of fun uh, and something that we did. Uh, 
Uh, my buddy Mike Bray at Notre Dame has won that a couple of times. And, in fact, one year he met and worked with uh, celebrity chef Tim Love of uh, uh, Fort Worth, Texas fame. And they got to be such good friends that Tim now comes back to Notre Dame uh, once a year in the fall uh, to a home football game where he cooks for the men's and women's basketball teams, their parents and their recruits. Um, so it was a very, very successful event for us. Um, now I love popcorn. I'm telling you, I absolutely love popcorn. And when I was a kid, there was a book I read called a hundred pounds of popcorn about a, uh, a kid that uh, found a bag, 100-pound bag of popcorn that had fallen off a truck. And, of course, he calls the people, and they say, it'll be too much trouble to come back and get it. You keep the 100 pounds of popcorn. And the book was all about how he used the popcorn to sell the popcorn and all the lessons he learned about running a business, some, some good and some bad. I think maybe that was my first exposure to being an entrepreneur. Um, and uh, And like I said, I to this day, still love popcorn. And, and you know, at a ball game, there's nothing wrong with popcorn and peanuts and Cracker Jacks and a brat and a beer. But today we're also seeing innovative food products at concession stands across the country. You know, really gourmet food products and experiences. Uh, in last week's Tuesday Tip, we talked about the major college football interactive we run for our client, Dollar General, and a number of their vendors, including Anheuser-Busch, Kraft, Kellogg's, and Kingsford. Part of that experience is serving barbecue samples from celebrity Kansas City um, Society award-winning barbecue pitmasters at each stop of the tour. These food experiences enhance everything at sporting and music and events. And we've got new experiences that are being developed and implemented every day at events around the country and around the world. So bon appetit. Here's today's Tuesday tip. When you eat and drink a lot, you have to go to the bathroom a lot. We talked previously about portalettes and my wife, how she hates portalettes. When we go to things, she needs a bathroom. She wants a clean bathroom. Uh, and we talked about the uh, Orange Bowl and how she was so surprised at the Fan Fest a few years ago to find that every time someone went into one of those portalettes, there was someone right behind them to clean it. And what a great experience that was. Well, I take a lot of international airplane flights of eight hours or more. And by the end of the flight, the restrooms are nasty beyond belief. So here's my tip to Delta and other airlines. Have someone clean the restrooms during the flights. That's absolutely a no-brainer. It will make your customers a lot happier. And happy customers are repeat customers. My guest today is Mike McLeod, president and CEO of MMA Creative and the founder of the World Food Championships presented by Walmart. Mike's agency is based in both Cookville and Nashville, Tennessee, and he's a true visionary about where food experiences are heading today. Let's welcome Mike to the bridge. Mike, welcome to the show. Rick, always a pleasure to be with you, my man. I uh, Every time I talk to you, I learn something. So I expect this to be, a, uh, as usual, uh, one of those great moments together. 
Well, I think we're going to learn a lot from you today, too. We've been talking this entire show about food and food experiences and about how they have you know, interacted with sporting events and musical events in so many ways. But I really want to talk about, you know, spend a lot of time talking about food as a competitive sport because you've been at the forefront of doing that. I want to start by talking a little bit about your background, you know, how you started MMA Creative and then what led you to food competition and experiences. Well, I think it uh, it was a little bit of stupidity and a little bit of d- divine intervention. Um, I was a I was a trained journalist uh, all through high school and won a scholarship to study journalism at the University of Tennessee and and go had the privilege you go balls uh, had the privilege of working with uh, two great magazine firms one in Knoxville and one in uh, New York City before I did my commencement and just decided that I could do what I thought they were doing in my hometown, Cookville, Tennessee. So I just, instead of looking for a job, I just created one. And that was the stupidity part. The divine intervention part um, was that, that God didn't let me fail and um, and and blessed me uh, with the gift of gab and a communication element that was able to, to be monetized. So I turned a little magazine into an ad agency and then a full-fledgling full-fledged marketing firm and uh, spent about 15 years doing that, learning how to write bank commercials, learning how to sell advertising, learning how to to uh, work with car dealers and real estate agents and you name it, and um, grew uh, the firm to about a $2 million firm, hired a couple of uh, uh, other leaders to help me and acquired a couple of agencies along the way. And that was probably the first half of my professional career. I I just stair-stepped it, bootstrapped it, and uh, elbow-greased it to uh, to a couple million dollar revenue firm on an annual basis, and was was uh, blessed um, probably more like uh, Dave Ramsey says more than I deserved. Well, you mentioned Cookville. I got a good friend who's a judge. Uh, in Tennessee, he's actually from Oneida, but he went to Tech, and and I had a chance to go to a Charlie Daniels concert with him at uh, in Cookville one night. Charlie Daniels came out on the stage and he started the concert by saying, "I always wondered where Cookville was, and now I know it's nowhere, man." <laughs> 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 one of the one of the great lines, but I, I think it's interesting how the desire to create something. A, on your own, and B, in your own space, is really what has driven um, American greatness. Uh, it, it's the pursuit of, of ideas, you know, in your backyard, and you've done a great job. But what led you to food? What led you to these, you know, food competition and food experiences? Before I get to that, I'll say that, you know, taking a risk – uh, is the is the cornerstone of an entrepreneur being able to do that, um, but but being able to do that in a level of comfort is is also very important, and that's I think what allowed me to do it in Cookville. I was I was comfortable with the surroundings and people there, and knew the knew the lay of the lay of the ground and lay of the land, and and it, that enabled me to take a risk. So. Um, 
What led me to food was a, a gentleman named Tony Stone. Uh, he was a former mayor of Cookville and a great friend of mine at the time. And he's he's now passed on. So, you know, bless his heart and uh, God rest his soul. Um, I had I had discovered that a an old cinema in Cookville was going to be demolished or uh, just dilapidated, and I was growing and uh, my business in about 99, 2000. Uh, I bought this old cinema and I renovated it, turned it into one of the coolest spaces in town. Um, and then a few years later, Tony Stone walks into my office. Uh, he and I had golfed together and I had eaten his barbecue and followed his travels a little bit. Didn't know why he hooked this uh, fire uh machined up to the back of his truck and and took it for hundreds of miles um but he did it because he had a passion for it and he and he walked into my office one day and said mike you ever thought about marketing barbecue and i said well <laughs> no uh but i sure as hell uh, love eating it and um and so he said come with me and um that was the beginning of the second chapter of my life he introduced me to the kansas city barbecue society Got me an open door opportunity to present to them. They, after 20 years, they decided they were going to get serious. They too were growing rapidly, and I looked at it and saw something, Rick, that you would have seen. I, I saw a NASCAR in the making. Uh, I saw an untapped opportunity. I saw uh, lots of avenues of marketing and revenue and and uh, legitimacy and relevance and i just threw my hat in the ring and i made them an offer they couldn't refuse i basically said you know what i've been successful i'm in a position where i can do take a risk again and do something special so i'm going to um, i'm going to offer you a contract that basically you don't have to pay me a dollar unless i make you three dollars and um Long story short, they accepted it, and four years later, after the first contract, they wanted to renegotiate <laughs> because it had worked so well, and I did three uh, contracts with them, three long-term contracts with them, and it was the best, most interesting, uh, hardest uh, working 12 years of my life, but it, it taught me about food uh, events. It taught me about the underlying food uh, sport aspect that I now refer to and affectionately promote as food sport and it it created the uh the the second part of my career that's going to be the legacy of my my ultimate um ultimate career well and the big dog for you was and is the world food championships i guess everything that you did with the kansas city barbecue society or the international chili society was led you to the world food championships let's talk about that event yeah, so so the secret of what I learned uh, in barbecue and what I saw, what I thought was the opportunity was true. That there was an opportunity to aggregate the industry and then offer it to a big sponsor. So one of the first things I did for KCBS is I created this Great American Barbecue Tour, uh, which went to 20 events a year, and we turned around and sold sponsorships to it to big companies like McCormick's. Second thing I did was created uh, a custom barbecue tour for Sam's Club. They had seen the success of, of what we've done and said, what can you do for us? And, and we put a 
the first barbecue tournament in the world together that went to 30 Sam's Clubs in the parking lot. And then the winner was crowned in, in Bentonville, Arkansas, and won 50 grand. And that ran for seven years. And in that time frame, what I, what I believed was missing, even after we aggregated, was really a Super Bowl of food because there were a lot of genres that existed. There were bacon battles, there were burger bashes, there were sandwich slams, there were chili contests, there were all kinds of things popping up like cottage industries. And so I looked at that again and said, well, heck, this needs to be aggregated. And these these athletes, these cooks who who, who practice as much as athletes do, who who perfect their skills as much as athletes do, who spend as much money as athletes do, they need their own Super Bowl. So I created the World Food Championships to try to answer that call in 2012. We went to the loudest, most obnoxious, uh, brightest city on the planet to start it, and that was Las Vegas. And uh, we felt like um, Sinatra singing about New York City. We felt like if we could do it here, we could do it anywhere. And we spent three years cutting our teeth on on creating the Super Bowl before the league was even in existence or aggregated into existence. So imagine what the NFL did. You know, the NFL had all these teams in all these cities, Cleveland and Chicago and New York, and then they, they ultimately got together and created the Super Bowl. Well, we decided to create the Super Bowl first, and now we've got to backfill it, bottom line. So that's what I've been focusing on for the last seven years. It's been a... An incredible ride. Walmart came on as our presenting sponsor uh, a, a year ago. We have a TV show that's airing on CNBC August 24th of this year. And uh, we are going into our eighth event in October, which will be in Dallas, Texas. We made a long-term deal with Visit Dallas to be there and hopefully be our home. Um, so we, we're, we're real happy at the moment and, and satisfied, but also uh, under... A big microscope, and we have a, a a lot of to dos and checklists every single day to make sure that we keep living up to the the dream that we've created in food sport, and uh, the dream that that brings 500 teams from uh, 20 countries and 49 states into our big tent every year to try to prove that they're the best at uh, some kind of cooking genre. Well, and there's so many as you mentioned, you know, from, from you know chowders to paellas to gumbos to you name it there's there's all that and you've kind of aggregated all these and these different segments and then i guess you have a like a grand champion i guess like a the dog show where you ultimately from all genres you say this was the best dish of the world food championships um and i think people don't realize how much time and energy people have spent in perfecting these these deals you know you know cooking in a in a in a venue like in a, you know, like Memphis in May, that's a whole lot different than cooking in your kitchen. <laughs> I mean, you you know, you can't say, "Whoops, I forgot something." Uh, let me run over here and, and find it. Um, you got to make sure you got everything there and all that. But I'm also amazed at how these have become great spectator events. Talk a little bit about that, um, and 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 what's in it for the spectators that come to watch these world class chefs cook. Well, that is one of the critical components that we focus on because, uh, if I'm honest, you know, the Achilles heel of food sport is that it's not always a spectator sport. It 
it, it only becomes a, an engaging sport if you know who's cooking, you're rooting for them, or whoever's cooking is putting something in your mouth. So <laughs> we we decided that we, about three years ago, we're going to have to make this World Food Championships a spectator-friendly, family-friendly affair, and we started building out a fest around it. So today, we do things like granny grilling on our main stage, which is a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, their judges are 20 kids, uh, so grannies have to make the best dish to win over the hearts and mouths and taste buds of 20 kids, and that's, a, that's just incredible to watch. Um, and then we have a tasting pavilion presented by Walmart. They, uh, we, we will have 50 different flavors, 50 different brands, <clears throat> excuse me, who are offering food for free. Once you get past the gate, uh, we have a small gate admission charge. Kids 12 and under get in for free. Once you get in, you get to go to the Walmart Tasting Pavilion, walk through that, get 50 samples of real food, um, and and walk out. And if 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 you're hungry after that, that's it's your own fault. It's not <laughs> it's not ours. Um, and then we have things like Innovation Station, where you can see the new products that are being developed in the food space coming to market before they get to market. Um, we have various enterprises uh, watching that like a shark tank to see what they can invest in, what's going to be the next big hit. Um, and we have a, a, a transforming mobile kitchen called Maximus. Uh, you might have seen that on Gordon Ramsay's show. Uh, they come in and they help us do demos and educational things for people day in, day out, every hour for the five days that we run our operation. And then you know, the real, uh, the real heartbeat of the World Food Championships is watching 40-plus uh, cooks underneath one tent in the same place at the same time trying to beat out all the others. who are, uh, All 40 of them are champions. They've won somewhere to get to us. Uh, and just seeing the chaos that, that uh, is derived from a one-and-a-half-hour cook, that there's no room for error. You don't have the ability, like a chef does at a restaurant, to send it back to the kitchen and do it over. You have to perform, you have to execute um, excellently and get it to the judge's tent on time or you're disqualified. So we have a lot going on. And we this year you'll see uh, digital um, scoreboards like you would at a golf event as to the best scores of the day, uh, who's moving on in the tournament, uh, who's been eliminated, who are the favorites, uh, et cetera. We're really putting a lot of sport uh, mentality into this and sports features into it. We even have chefferies that walk around with the zebra shirts and uh, call out fouls if they see them and deduct points if necessary. So it's quite a spectacle, and I invite anybody and everybody who likes food and likes sport and wants to see the, the up-and-coming trends in food to come see us. And Dallas is a great location because it's so easy for people to get there, you know, two major airports right in the middle of the country. Um, you know, a great, great food town anyway. So I congratulate you about about having them as a partner. Uh, you know, we're seeing food festivals, food and wine festivals, food competitions just everywhere. It's just really exploded. But I still, you know, this shows largely about corporate sponsorship. I, I still believe food experiences are undervalued. I, I think there, there should be more sponsors than there are. Talk about the opportunities and some of the things that y'all do for your sponsors. You know, you're absolutely right. Uh, the thing that that 
most corporations don't get. They, they get it when they go to a to an NBA game or a hockey game or, or a football game and they rent that big expensive suite. What do they do when they rent that suite? They, they eat. Put, <laughs> that's right. And, and they, they pay a lot of money for food. They know that food and uh, wine and, and spirits and beer, that's part of the experience. And here we have this industry that is all about food all about spirits, all about pairings, all about the up-and-coming stars in our industry, which are the new cool chefs, um, the new Guy Fieri's, the new Rachel Ray's. But we, we see this day in and day out, and, and companies that are looking for engagement, if you're wanting to, to please customers, if you're wanting to reward employees, if you're wanting to see food developed, ideated, and served in ways you've never seen. You got to get into food sport. And there's a lot of companies that are in the food business that get this, but there's a lot of companies that are not in the food business that should be getting this, whether it's a national insurance carrier, a national wireless carrier, um, an automobile uh, strategy, company, uh, a credit card strategy, companies that have marketing dollars and they're looking for something truly engaging that people are going to talk about forever and appreciate uh, that they had a chance to go see and experience. Food sport and things like the World Food Championships are untapped, unrivaled experiences. And you and I have got to make sure that we communicate this appropriately to marketing directors and CEOs out there who are looking for better ways to spend their dollars. Um, you don't always have to put your logo on the hood of a car and watch it go around in a circle for three hours. Um, you, you can put your, your logo on an event and for three hours eat some of the best food and enjoy some of the best spirits and camaraderie and fellowship that you've ever had. That is the sport. That is the moment. That is the customer connection element that a lot of companies are missing right now. Uh, I, I agree. And, and, you know, everything we're doing in music, everything we're doing in sport also contains these great food experiences. I talked earlier today on the show about our Dollar General ESPN events tour, and, and you were the guy that's helped us get to Kansas City Barbecue Society award-winning sh- you know, pit masters that actually serve food. Um, you know, you want to get people to stop at your interactive, give them great food. It's, it's kind it. of a, it's kind <laughs> of a no brainer. And yep. yet sometimes I think marketers, I think marketers sometimes outthink themselves. They, they really yeah. do. Uh, they, they really do. And, and, and sometimes they, they overanalyze things. You know, I, one of the things, I don't know if you face this, but I do a lot of times yeah, I've been in this business now for 30 years and, a lot of times I'm dealing with someone who's just 30 years old making a marketing decision. And what they're trained to do in school uh, is to, to look at just the CPM aspect of an event. And they're not being trained to look at the, the long-term memory aspect of an event, the long-term duration uh, and ROI of a customer who stays with you because you gave them an unforgettable experience aspect. And, it's it's sometimes it, it sometimes makes me bang my head against the wall a little bit when I hear things like, well, it just doesn't fit our brand. Really, people that 
eat food don't eat don't fit your brand that's interesting um well the uh, fact that you have um the world's largest retailer as a presenting sponsor of your event says a lot. I remember years ago, I had a buddy, Roy Spence, who was the founder of GSDNM Advertising in Austin, Texas. And they were at that time Walmart's ad agency. And he said, we're all about niche marketing. Um, Walmart reaches 92% of all Americans. That's the niche we like to be in. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and here's what I'm going to say right now. I'm going to make a statement that, that, that I'm going to say is an absolute. Absolutely. A hundred percent of all people in the world are going to eat something today. <laughs> right. Uh, and so that's a pretty big number. Uh, I, I like those I, numbers. Uh, I'm often, and, and, you know, Mikey, we talk about a lot here about what we call the lifetime value of a fan. You know, what is the lifetime value of someone that has eaten beef brisket? And it's, you know, from Angus beef or, or somebody that has, you know, been able to get an added value component by laying their credit card down or showing their credit card that gives them, you know, an extra taste of wine or an extra. I mean, it's this is truly kind of a, a, a no brainer. And I'm hoping today we've got a lot of listeners that are following us now. will will begin to consider um, food as sport as a great place for brands, because because I think it is. I want to ask you one more question. What what do you think's next? Um, in, in, in food experiences? What, what, what do you think is coming down the pike? Um, I, I think it's – there are a lot of trends coming down the pike that we always put our, our finger on. For example, we're doing uh, a category this year that has to focus on CBD integration. Uh, plant, plant-based foods are, are a big movement right now. So we're always trying to keep our finger on the pulse. But if, but if you want to know what I think about from a trend – uh, future aspect as it relates to food, it's immersion. And that is putting consumers right in the middle of the event, putting them into an experience that, 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 is, that is unforgettable. And we, we train people how to become certified judges and uh, give them behind-the-scenes tours at our event so that they understand what is happening, why it's happening, the passion behind what's happening. And to me, events that take that extra step, that keep pushing the envelope and get, get the spectator closer, because that, that is our, uh, I talked about the Achilles heel earlier, but our uh, strong bicep muscle is we can put our spectators on the field. You know, I, I can put someone on a 50-yard line with Bobby Flay. You can't put someone, an average Joe, on 50-yard line with Tom Brady. Ain't going to happen. Uh, but I can put a, a, a novice cook or a new cook right next to a Guy Fieri and, and have a competition. Uh, but uh, if you don't, going into other sports, you just you simply don't have that opportunity. So that's what's next for food, breaking down the barriers, immersion, uh, integration, and unforgettable experiences. And, and the best events – that, that do that will be the long-term events uh, 10, 20 years down the road. Well, great stuff, Mike. Uh, again, thanks for being with us today, and we'll catch up soon and talk more about food. My pleasure, Rick. Thank you. Let's close today's show with another On the Road with Rick. I mentioned earlier about being in France. 
What we found in France were great outdoor food markets in each town. Our very first Sunday in Bordeaux, we found ourselves at the famous Le Capuce Market in Bordeaux. Our last Thursday night, we went to Isaac, where we ate in the courtyard of a church with several hundred other people. This was an outdoor place where they set up food vendors serving everything from Cambodian food to Jamaican food to mussels and frites, grilled sausages, duck legs with potatoes cooked in duck fat, and grilled full gras with caramelized onions. They sold bottles of local rosé, white, or red wine for only six euros per bottle, and a great time was had by all. Bordeaux is famous for their wine. There's a famous wine museum there now called the La Cique de Van, the wine museum, the city of wine. But the Dordogne region is all about the food. And when we were in Dordogne, we met zero Americans there. But you should plan to visit at some point in your life because it's got great things to see and even better food. So that's our show for today. If you're not hungry, then you've not been listening. We'll see you next week from the bridge. This has been your captain, Rick Jones, from the bridge. If you like what you hear, please share, subscribe, and leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast directory. Everybody wants me to be what they want me to be. Troubles behind